I'm Christopher Rasmussen. I'm the manager for the City of Dallas Public Works Urban Forestry Department. I also do accreditation audits and loss control audits for TCIA, and I'm an approved instructor. So the next question I like to ask people, because it's a really interesting answer, is how did you get into arboriculture? Because most people didn't actually mean to end up, you know, in tree care and the whole industry. So how did you end up? Oh, great. Uh, great question. So I started in arboriculture uh, growing up in Wisconsin. We uh, we had a farm and we, we logged uh, the timber on that farm. Um, and that was my first exposure to, you know, chainsaws and felling trees. Um, and so when I moved, uh, probably back in the nineties, I moved to the, moved to Texas and I saw, I was doing tree work, uh, at that time as well. Uh, I'm kind of on my own, uh, in, 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 in conjunction with construction work and, um, and I was in my, the construction work was, uh, was work, I was working from heights. So I was, we were doing uh, um, construct, building elevator shafts. So we're, we're, we're uh, more, was used to working from heights already and kind of enjoyed it. Well, uh, one day I see the, uh, a right, um, or not, no, it was Asplin. It was Asplin line clearance crew come through and these guys are climbing trees and, uh, so I stopped them and I went over and talked to them for a minute and they were, and they actually did some uh, uh, aerial rescue training right there on my property. And from that time, I was pretty much hooked. I was like, that's, I, I need to do that. So I started pursuing um, the climbing and, um, and then I got exposed to uh, ISA and uh, the certifications. I became a CTSP got hooked up with TCIA and just, and it just kept snowballing. I, I, I kept great, was thirsty for as much information as I could get. So I took the route of, um, not, not school or, or, edu you know, through a, a formal college training. Uh, I took the route of getting certifications and just uh, soaking up as much information as I could being around tree people as much as I could. And, um, and that's, I just built my resume uh, through experience. And, and how old were you when you decided to make the, the swap from construction to tree care? Uh, let's see. I was in my, I was probably in my thirties or late twenties, early thirties. And that's kind of a, like a, a big career change to be making at, at that point in your life, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, it, well, I don't know. It it uh, when when I found uh, tree care, or or just kind of the depth of tree care, it uh, I was hooked. It was, I kind of got the I got the bug, um, and so it became more of a passion than than anything. So it didn't, it, you know, to change the career my career path, so to speak, um, it wasn't a big deal. And because I have a specific way I want this episode to go, but I'm getting there. But like, um, you know, one of the things I want to ask is when you were acquiring the knowledge of, of tree care and stuff like that, what kind of, um, you know, resources were you turning to as you're transitioning careers from construction to tree care? Because I, I have to imagine that, you know, in your, in your late twenties, early thirties, you, you don't have like the school experience and stuff like that to just kind of 
swap into a different course. You know, you kind of had to do a lot of self-study, right? Absolutely. It was all self-study. I mean, I just grabbed as much, uh, again, so ISA Texas, um, I went to every uh, conference I could sign up for, every, you know, and we didn't, I don't think there was, you know, podcasts and, and webinars were not really a thing. So it was all in person. Um, but they had um, the, yeah, ISA Texas was probably my best resource um, going through them. And then once I got, uh, I kind of got exposed to TCIA, the expo, um, going to an expo and then finding, um, finding all that uh, curriculum, you know, books. So I just started ordering um, all the manuals and uh, uh, literature I could, I could uh, afford. <laughs> and, um, and then, and and just started uh, getting the certifications again. So you know, I I got my eyes. I I set out to get my ISA certification first, um, and then um, you know then my CTSP, and uh, I just kind of built off of that. And then I I went through the uh, TCIA their uh, Tree Academy program. You know, getting the chipper and um, aerial lift and all of those, uh, modules. So, um, that was, that was my path just, uh, and, and again, going to, uh, going to any, any talk I could find on, you know, tree healthcare on, uh, tree risk assessments, every, everything, um, anything I can get my hands on. Well, it's funny now that, you know, you, you got involved that way and you kind of come full circle and you're, uh, responsible for helping us, you know, train people with our new online education and, you know, love it or hate it. The online education is, is here to stay. So I guess immediately off the bat, right. As somebody who is, has taken all of the, um, the physical versions of what we did is now training with the online versions of what we do. Do you notice any, you know, giant differences between the two that help, uh, help non-traditional learners uh, absorb the content better? Yes. So what I, I I think the thing I love most about the online platform is that the learner can take it at a, at a self pace. So they can sign up for that uh, or purchase that module. They can go through it uh, all on their own if if they want. There are some some aspects of that module though that need to be evaluated by someone who is experienced. So let's let's take. Uh, you know, chainsaw, um, chainsaw specialist. That module is is great. They, they, the learner can um, dive into it and go through the module, but then there's those components where the, um, they need to be evaluated. So now that they've, they've kind of learned what they need to know in their head, they have to put it into practice. And uh, having that evaluated by somebody who's experienced, like a, a crew leader, a supervisor, a company owner, uh, is very valuable. Um, so they can, so now you take that rubrics that's, um, also online, you, you download that and someone can physically assess, um, the learners, their knowledge, you know, what they've, what they've absorbed, have they absorbed everything they need to, and can they put it into physical practice? And now, you know, do we feel comfortable putting them out in the field uh, and doing the work? 
Yeah, there's a lot of direction I want to go off that one. So let me just, you know, pull my thoughts in real fast. Um, okay. <laughs> sorry, there's just so many I want to go to, right? But I guess the first one off the bat would be, you know, for me, I'm a much better in-person student than online. I find myself easily distracted online. Uh, I find myself engaging less online. I don't know if it's because I don't consider yeah. it as real or if it's just because I'm not, you know, if you're not making line of sight with a like a professor or a teacher or something like that it becomes hard for me to be like oh this is real so i guess my question for you off of that one is how do you engage or how do you encourage like students of these courses to be engaged both with the with the content and with the with the education they're getting out of it because it's um for somebody like me i'm sure it's not unusual that it, it is it is hard to engage in solely online content yes so i think what i would uh, recommend for a company. Uh, well, let, let me let me back up. So, the city of Dallas. I'll, I'll use the city of Dallas as a, as a perfect example. So, we're um, what we're pursuing right now is to, as a as I'll be as a trainer. I'm going to I'll have a training portal uh, on Brightspace. I will be able to assign um, specific modules to a learner. In the, so to the employees uh, in in public works and, and and maybe in parks. So once I, we assign those modules to them, that uh, I think that gives us the ability to for that learner to spend time on the content, say on a rain day, or on a on days that that um, maybe we set aside for specifically training, so they can. They can do that content um, while on the clock, but then we're going to set up some times where we're going to do the uh, evaluations in person and and as groups. Uh, so we'll do when we do the evaluation or the or what's called the rubrics in the learning content. We print those off. So then we get together in a group and uh, we're going to go through the actual steps of starting a chainsaw. Um, making um, making a, a pie cut, um, or a, I'm sorry, an open face cut, making your back cut. So all of those all of those uh, exercises can be done in person. So that's that's what we call the blended um, blending the online content with the in person content. Does that make does that make sense or? Yeah, no, and it makes sense. You know, the the blending aspect is something that I think is super important um, with this kind of online course, right? I think sometimes the tendency is when we made the initial swap over um, and said we were going all online, people, I don't want to say we're outraged, right? But it's like, why'd you change that? You know, we've been doing it this way for so long. But I think um, obviously as a trainer and obviously on our end as TCA, we've seen some incredible results from people actually interacting with this kind of stuff more than what they did with the with the paper books and so and i think the blended model approach is a huge is a huge part of it and I'll, let me add also the the susan harwood grant component so i've i've taught some susan harwood grant uh, ehap workshops and when uh when the learner signs up for that work the ehap specifically so they're sent a link so they can access the brightspace content and then they're also required to attend a six-hour uh, Zoom um, training 
with uh, with with the uh, uh, instructor, which would be me. So I didn't want to just regurgitate the EHAP content. So what um, what I've done, and I think other instructors have done also, they've gone in and highlighted um, the the key concepts that need to be absorbed by the learner. And so, it, and it's difficult because typically on on that platform, on that Zoom platform, everybody's camera's off, and they just see me, and and they can interact. Um, but I would say that majority of the time, I don't, I really don't get um, a lot of interaction. I do ask questions, but I don't always get responses. It's hard to. Uh, it's much harder to engage and feel the um, uh, what your audience if your audience is is really understanding your delivery. So uh, that was hard for me as an instructor to get used to uh, just giving instruction to uh, blank screens. And the reason, and I'll tell you the the reasons why we typically turn off have them turn off their uh, cameras and. Um, and their mics is so that there's not a distraction uh, and to save on bandwidth. Sometimes it's uh, so it just it helps, um, you know, because otherwise you've got, you know, with everybody's camera on, you might have, a, you know, stuff going on in the background that's distracting to other other learners. So uh, we just I've, I've gone with that. Um, to have everybody's camera off and everybody's mic off. And but if they want to ask a question, uh, they can. So that's uh, those are the those are challenges. Uh, it's not uh, you know it's not in as engaging I would say as um, being in person. You know, like I said, you can't I can't see your face and 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 after I've you know made a, a presented a topic or something new and because uh, your their the learner's face you know tells a lot. It tells me. Are, are they understanding what I'm saying or do they have a question and they just don't want to ask? So I, I miss that kind of in-person stuff, but um, I love the fact that I can reach out. I can have, you know, somebody in New York and somebody in California and somebody in Texas and we're all in this kind of in the same room uh, learning the same content. And, um, you know, and throughout those, those um, that six hours, I do make, time available for the, the learners to uh, ask questions if they want. I don't, but I haven't seen a lot of, you know, feed, you know, a lot of questions asked and uh, maybe that's because uh, I've, I've touched everything, you know, perfectly <laughs> or uh, they just don't want to ask questions. Yeah. We're kind of playing with that trade-off, right. About the, um, you know, accessibility versus engagement on it. And it, it's hard because we can't, do both a hundred percent because uh, we don't have that kind of money for in-person stuff, which I think, which makes these online, you know, courses so great. And especially even through like the Susan Harwood, Susan Harwood grant program, like you were saying, and for anybody who doesn't know uh, the Susan Harwood grant is a grant awarded to us by OSHA to provide training to companies under 250 employees or 200 employees, one of the two. Um, but it's to help, to help us serve the underserved populations of the tree care 
uh, community that couldn't get out for education or may not be able to afford education and, you know, help us advance tree care businesses like we want to do. But I think that that part has been such, um, you know, we lose we lose a little bit of the in-person stuff, which definitely does take a hit. And it does stink because we all love the in-person stuff. But I think the other side of that is now not having to find the most central location of every single state wondering you know where all the highways intersect to try to schedule one workshop there on one day and hope for the best i think we're given a a bigger opportunity to schedule everything you know all right here's you know seven or eight times and dates you can choose any one of them right because now you don't need to drive you just need to make Mm -hmm. sure you have an internet connection and i think right now for us that really does seem to make the difference for most people in the industry absolutely and then so you know, as somebody who is teaching and looking for that kind of engagement and feedback on it, do you think that they're not asking because they don't know what, I don't know, you know what I mean? I'm trying to get to the bottom of how we can convince everybody that if you don't understand something, ask a question. Do you think, you know, they should be coming to you during the thing or after or like, well, I mean, they shouldn't be embarrassed, right? If they have a question, somebody else in the room probably has the same question who's not asking. Correct. So I think I, I think that that a lot of the the silence maybe it can be contributed to overuse of you know Zoom meetings. I mean, you um, I, I don't I don't know if this is this is what's happening, but you know a lot of times I don't uh, I'll I'll speak for myself. I don't ask questions sometimes on Zoom meetings because I don't want to prolong the meeting. <laughs> so um, I mean. If I have a question, a lot of times I'll email that you know specific person that I'm asking a question, unless it's something that pertains to the group. But um, I try not to ask a lot of questions because I don't want to prolong uh, the meeting any longer than it has to be. And, and that's just uh, what do we what do we call that now? You know, uh, Zoom fatigue or mm-hmm. uh, some uh, somebody's coined a phrase on it, on that, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that brings up a valid point. I just want to encourage people to ask those kind of questions, especially, you know, if you're in like a, we'll consider this like a virtual classroom setting, right? If you're in a virtual classroom, we need to make people feel like that they're allowed to ask questions without pissing off everybody else in the class and being like, oh man, I can't believe we extend another five minutes by asking another question. And I right. think that's, that's, that's hard because like you said, we all have Zoom fatigue. We're all sick of being on the Zoom calls. And, you know, if a lot of them are at, uh, you know, whether it's their office or on a rain day or something like that, there's probably something else that they want to do or accomplish too as well that, you know, we feel like extending our Zoom meeting by five minutes might be the end of the world, which is just funny to me because, you know, some people were driving three or four hours to get to one of these in-person education things and that wasn't a problem at all. Right. Um, you know, and when I do the the Zoom um, you know, these uh, online formats uh, or platforms. I try to interject a lot of, of real, real-time, you know, stories uh, and incidents that, that occurred that, um, that can be related, you know, that the, my audience can relate to. I think those are, uh, and even in the in-person, that was my goal, is to have um, relatable stories of you know of maybe of near misses of uh, of actual accidents things that occurred you know that i saw in the field that uh, happened to people i worked with 
I bring those out and um, and those to me um, communicate and really you know hit home with most of the audience uh, because I know if you've been in tree um, you know in the tree care industry for more than a couple minutes you you've experienced a lot of these things um, near misses uh, you've had safety you've seen people you know commit safety infractions. And so tell them those stories and some of those outcomes are good, some of them are bad, um, makes it real. And, um, and also I think drives the point that how important this safety training is. Yeah, and you know, the, the importance of ed- education, sorry, the importance of education can't be you know, overstated because it is really the, the be all end all for both you as an individual. And, you know, if you're an owner or a higher up in your company, you know, for your company as well, people are now starting to look towards education as a, an employment benefit. Uh, Companies are being hired if they're more educated or have specific certifications and stuff like that. So I think that all of this and the adoption of it, uh, a lot of it, relies on you know tcia and people like our trainers who are trying to do their best to to facilitate and provide those engaging stories and comments and do the other thing but a lot of it too is on the employers themselves to provide you know whether it's a space or some time in their normal day-to-day that you can give to your employees to have a uh a, a place of education right and it doesn't have to be anything huge but right. you know, quiet space where they have a laptop or a tablet or something where they can go through and take these tests and take these modules at their own speed and kind of assist with that that purpose, right? Because the the whole blended model doesn't work if um, the company's not blending. You mean you mean having a having uh, an in person or a component to yeah. the learning? Yeah, and, and that's why having a CTSP. On staff is, in my in my opinion, is so important. In fact, I've, guys that I talk to, um, or uh, you know, that say, you know, I've got my ISA. What should I get? You know, what should I get next? And I always recommend CTSP. I just think it's a great certification. Um, even if you're not, say, a a instructor, or you don't want to, it, it gives you some really great tools. Um, and you might surprise yourself and you might, um, come out of that class and, and, and say, Hey, I understand teaching much better now. And I think that's something I might want to pursue because teaching isn't always, it's something that I have, I strive at all to improve on all the time. I love watching other instructors, um, present the same material that, that maybe I present, and I always come away with something like, oh, that's a great idea. I want to, I'm going to implement that in my talk. So I'm always learning um, and, and searching for um, that, uh, the delivery, you know, uh, somebody that delivers a little different and, and is dynamic and um, can touch the, uh, touch the audience. Cause that's, that's what it is. It's uh, your content um, can be, you know, doesn't have to be, um, isn't always the interesting part of, of, um, what's going on. It's the, the, that, how you deliver it, how you, um, 
present it to the learner. Uh, like CTSP, uh, the course talks about everybody learns a different way. And so being able to you know, touch uh, each one of those learners where they're, or meet them where they're at is so important. Yeah, and I, I want to you know pick your brain for a second to try to figure out you know, for the companies who may be struggling implementing the online learning thing, um, you know, in addition to getting somebody with like a CTSP on staff or somebody with some knowledge in the adult learning and the different types of learning strategies, um, what are some things, you know, company owners or uh, leaders can do to help facilitate the blended process of this online learning program we're putting together? So, and that's, um, I think that's what the bright space platform is set up for. A, uh, a company can get with the TCIA education and get their own portal. So now, uh, and what that means is they'll, they'll go in and they, they, uh, TCIA sets them up a portal and they purchase the modules that they want. So if they want to do EHAP or Chipper or Chainsaw, so they can purchase those. And now company owner or office administrator, whoever's tasked with, with uh, administering that portal can now track that learner. So I'm, if I'm the, you know, working for a, a tree company and they, they purchase the, uh, um, the modules that they want their employees to go through, they'll send me an email link, I log in and now the company can now track that employee through, you know, they can see when I logged in, how, what I, what I, uh, how much I completed from that module, you know, and track my progress. And so, and, and that can in itself can be a, a tool that companies can use to incentivize uh, progress and, uh, and, and use that as a career path in the company. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of steps in, there's no one one size fits all answer for each company, right? It's as the as the company owner or the administrator, you have to figure out what works best for your your crew. Really, I mean, you know, sure, it's, it's a it's a bit of knowing your crew as well and knowing what will work for them because you know maybe incentives work for somebody, um, but they don't work for somebody else, and and vice versa. And the the learning process, I don't want to say the implementation of it is going to be hard, but the mastery of it. And making sure that you're you're supporting your your workers and stuff like that. Not only is it better for your your company if they're more educated, but it will probably lead to a longer term payoff where you'll retain employees who are um, well educated and feel like they're being valued that way. Absolutely. Trying to think about about where else now because I just kind of hopped around from one idea to the next, and I didn't, you know, pin pin one. <laughs> there, there's just so um, many so many places to go. Um, what was it? I had a thought, and uh, there's also uh, I talked to like a there was a guy from a community college in South Carolina that was there, and he had the the paper. Um, they had they had purchased a bunch of the paper copies for the PHC, and of course they don't do um, mm. when the when the students completed those they. They had to. They have to now sign log log in to CT uh, to TCIA, and um, to take the test. Um, so TCIA is uh, so 
uh, Jenny was working with that um, that instructor because they're actually using in the community college they're using Brightspace. So he had already created a um, a test on Brightspace um, that was like a final test for that that would cover that PHC, um, which is a great point because now in in we can the um, instructors can do that also with the portal. They can create or customize a test. They don't have to use the the um, the format or module um, that TCIA has. They can they can customize. You know, if they want to have like a, um, a final test that's just that is unique to that company, Brightspace gives them the platform to do that. And so I, I, I'm not, that's something I learned in Expo um, just last week because you know meeting with um, that uh, instructor from the community college. Yeah, and I guess also too slightly related but unrelated at the same time. You know, workforce development is obviously a huge issue that we have going on, um, not just us but a lot of other industries and stuff like that. But I think one of the good things we're doing is we're actually aligning our education, you know, our online education with a similar program community colleges are using, right? So like, I know Brightspace is used by uh, Southern New Hampshire University, which is one of the largest, if not the largest online school in the country. And that's their go-to platform. So it's a lot easier. It's a lot harder on the people who you already have who are used to the paper testing and used to doing it one way. But I find that it's easier as we're getting the the younger generation interested in tree care, right? As you have this more formalized testing system, something that they're familiar with in a way that they're familiar, uh, you know, in learning with and engaging with. A lot of these mm-hmm. students had to, even during COVID, right, had to spend a, a year or two only with online education. So while it may be more difficult for people who are used to a more traditional approach, a lot of students now are are familiar and comfortable and prefer uh, a self-paced like a uh, study program. Absolutely. And, and um, I'm actually pursuing here at the city of Dallas, we're, we're uh, um, reaching out to the department of labor and um, we want to, uh, I'm pursuing the uh, apprenticeship program. So the first step to that apprenticeship program is getting registered with the department of labor. So I've reached out to, um, the liaison for uh, the for Texas, and and then the next component of that is going to be trying to find uh, getting with a community college to uh, for the content, and I I expect that we'll be using the um, um, the Brightspace content for for uh, the apprenticeship programs, which because it's already uh, it's already been tested. Uh, TCIA has that that whole curriculum ready to go, so um, I just am trying to get uh, get all the pieces together so we can present it to uh, the city of Dallas and uh, and request that we go this path because I'm having a real um, difficulty in getting qualified forestry workers to apply, and so I would much rather have a, um, have a pool and train, train them up from, uh, you know, have a, a forestry worker come in that's just has a desire to, you know, be in arboriculture, but doesn't have the experience, knowledge and training. And then we bring them, we bring them up. So that, that's a pretty exciting 
um, also for uh, for me as a as an instructor and for the city of Dallas. Yeah, I mean, well, first off, you know, congrats on you for starting the process. It's definitely um, looking at people in the back end take it. It's a daunting process, and there's a lot that goes on with it. So, I mean, good for you for making it this far already. I, I think if I was going to bring one together, you know, I would have stopped after reading how much work it would have been just because, you know, you look at it. And well, just... I... No, go on. So let me, I'll, I'll, let me stop. I'll, I'll stop you there because I, I went to uh, all the the talks at the expo on, um, on apprenticeship, and actually somebody stood up and said it's not as hard as it looks so that that was the actual words from somebody now i i'm just getting into it so i can't speak to how hard it is um, but it was easy to get in touch with my department of labor uh, liaison and uh, my understanding is some department of labor um, contacts aren't as are aren't as helpful as others so I think I've got a real helpful one because as I emailed him, I got a response for that same day. And then we did a, we did a phone call and, and he said, well, I've got a community college I think would be interested in this. Would you like to meet? And I said, absolutely. So, so the, it was real easy to get that ball rolling. And so far it's been um, everything has been real smooth. Um, you know, I think the hardest part is going to be when um, when I present it to the city of Dallas, and then we have to talk about uh, pay structure and insurance and liability, that kind of thing. That that those conversations are going to happen at a higher level than me. I just want to have kind of the um, the framework ready for them, and also examples of where this is taking place and successfully taking place. Yeah, and if you have one of those, I guess, difficult to reach Department of Labor uh, representatives, um, you know, reach out to TCIA. We're more than happy to try to help uh, push on some of these these folks to make sure you can get an apprenticeship through. But it's also refreshing to hear that it's easier than what it looks like because, I mean, you know, you read the step by step guide, and it ugh, it's a lot of words. It's a lot of you know big yeah. things. Have me back in a couple months, and I'll I'll let you know the whole process. Um, I, yeah, I hope it I hope it'll go through smoothly. The thing, and and the other thing that I'm really hopeful about, uh, I think that the um, you know having the the apprenticeship program in a municipality is a benefit because I think it's a great place for you know for a learning platform, and it. You know, it, it's some, and it's difficult for some smaller companies. I know they they're looking for employees, but it's difficult for smaller companies to, um, you know, they they still have to pay that employee while they're in a learning process. You know, the a municipality I think can absorb some of those costs a little easier, and um, at the same time, we're build I'm building up a workforce that is is so needed and. And if I build up a workforce and they leave the city, um, you know, for other uh, other positions in private, you know, say private industry or uh, private companies, I think that's great. Um, it's I don't count it as a lot. Oh, I've lost, you know, I trained this employee and I lost them. I think that that comes back around uh, in the long run. So I'm happy to. I'm hoping that this platform works 
the, the apprenticeship program uh, is embraced by the city and uh, it'll move forward. I, I think it's also a great tool to be used in um, what, what uh, the city of Dallas actually has is a fresh start uh, program. And that's for um, employees that were previously incarcerated. It gives them a fresh start. And I think the um, this apprenticeship program would, would flourish in that environment as well. So I, I've, I've got a lot of high hopes for the apprenticeship program. Uh, and so hopefully uh, I can convince some other people in the city that uh, it is a, a worthy uh, venture.